Hey everybody, this is your host Matt Castellini and welcome to Chicago Capital. Reno, thank you so much for joining me on Chicago Capital. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm excited. So I'm going to let you take it away and uh, walk us through what you're all working on over at Wiseful. Yeah, for sure. So Wiseful is a career advancement platform for millennial and Gen Z talent. What that basically means is if you're a job seeker in that demographic, we connect you to insiders at top companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon for one-on-one coaching, live workshops, skills development, interview prep, sort of the whole end-to-end experience if you're trying to find a job or break into a new industry. We really help people at that phase in their careers. So are you specifically targeting Is it college students that are probably going to be the bulk of the customers from the very beginning? Or are you targeting people who just got out of college? What do you see as kind of your core demo within that millennial Gen Z age range? Yeah, definitely. So we tend to see most of our users are in the 21 to 35-year-old range. That could be a recent grad. That could be a senior ready to maybe transition into the workforce. We get a lot of people who have those first, second jobs out of school that maybe wasn't their first choice. They want to pivot. We've had a lot of people trying to transition to industries, maybe because of the last over the last year, they've realized that what their industry really isn't uh, recession proof or maybe looking for something a little bit more lucrative for them. And uh, just people that really don't I'd say that's a little bit of the background demographic on who we uh, target. But a lot of these folks that end up using our service typically come from first generation backgrounds, maybe non-traditional careers. They don't have a strong network. They didn't really have that support system growing up to help them in their careers. And so we really bring a lot of those resources that they didn't have growing up to them to help them make those career pivots. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. I think coming out of college, a lot of seniors in college, and depending on where you went, you do feel like there is a support system there uh, a little bit more. You feel Mm -hmm. like there's a career department that you can work with, maybe career coaches. Again, every college is different, but I know firsthand that once you're out into the workforce and once you're, you know, in the quote unquote real world, you get a year or two out of school and you're pretty much on your own and it is on you to build your own network. And that's an important part of people's careers. But I'm curious for you and your co-founders, how did you discover that this was a problem that was big enough and potent enough to build hopefully a venture scalable business behind it? What was that sort of you know problem discovery process like? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll first say my own personal background definitely was a big driver in starting a business like this. Just for some quick context. So I came from a first generation background, came from a working class family where my mom was an immigrant. My dad worked on the factory floor uh, in the manufacturing industry. He still does today. And when you come from that kind of background, you really strive first generation to trying to figure out things like, what should I major in? What school to go to? I had no idea what any of these companies or titles meant coming from a blue collar background. And it was a lot of trial by fire, I will say, to figure it out. Luckily, I had some people along the way who I'd consider mentors and coaches that gave me that opportunity to... I'd say be in a much better position than where I was. And so that was really the first point of discovery was going through the process myself and saying, hey, I went through school, career services really wasn't adequate in helping prepare me. Neither it, the argument that the education itself is a whole other topic, but you know, I, I generally think there's education today in its traditional form really drops the ball in preparing people for the professional world. 
And even when I got there, like you said, a couple years out of school, I'm still trying to figure out how do I get promoted? How do I build a network? What are good jobs? All of that was really new to me for the first time. And so that was personal experience. But then from a, a data-driven perspective, later in my career, I, I worked, I had the, the opportunity to work at an awesome company, LinkedIn. And I'd say that was my first job in tech. It was transformative in the way that I am committed to solving this problem. That was my first dose of really understanding things like creating economic opportunity and things like the network gap. But I would get hit up almost every day over in mail from early career talent looking for a referral or looking for a foot in the door. Uh, it was almost constant. And er everybody who worked at the company had the same thing. And I couldn't support all those individuals. I didn't know them. I didn't have the right tools and capacity to do that. So it led me to do some research. And I started to uncover that I'm not the only one who is going through this. A majority, a majority 60, 70% of students coming through the educational system now are generation background. And, and that's just the trend of where things are going. Those individuals from those backgrounds are less likely to have a mentor. They're less likely to make more money than their peers. So there's a lot of disadvantages that come with that in entering the workforce that we looked into and wanted to really solve that problem. Some of the other challenges that maybe you've experienced or anybody listening here is we looked at the traditional way of finding a job and most people will go, oh, I go to a job board and I just go to apply. We found from our research that actually has less than a 2% chance of success. And it was it's sort of a running joke in the circles of job seekers we help where almost daily they were getting automated rejection emails saying, we regret to inform you that we have decided to move forward with another application. And so it left it leaves a lot of people scratching their head on, hey, I did everything they told me to do, go to school, apply to a job, but the system's not working for me. And so that was a, a really big light bulb moment in my own experience and through the research to say, hey, there's a big problem here on the company side and on the individual side that we think we can solve. So you are not trying to replace the career coach or are you? Are you just looking for insiders at companies who are going to work with young professionals or are you also bringing on certified career coaches who can help irrespective of them being at a big firm? They're sort of just there to be, you know, like a sounding board or specifically related to the function of job searching. Are you looking to bring on both types of individuals or just insiders at orgs? So right now we're really focused on bringing on insiders at orgs. And that was really intentional where when we were doing some research, we found that certified coaches typically were people who had 20, 30, 40 years of industry experience. Usually a lot of those coaches tend to be people that maybe are retired and they want to go be a coach now. And we found that their, the rate they charge was also pretty expensive. So on average, they're charging two to $300 an hour. If you're a millennial or Gen Z, you're not spending that kind of money, right? So you're, you're, blocking out, you're, you're locking out a huge swath of the, the demographic. Uh, the other challenge was that people who were out of school, you know, if you're 24, 25, uh, do you really want to work with somebody who has 30, 40 years of industry experience for companies and jobs whose experience in companies and jobs are no longer relevant. So I think there was a connection and relevance challenge there. Rather, our focus is on people who have maybe eight to 15 years experience, and they're currently operators in the space. And we vet and make sure that we get the best of the best, people who are already coaches and mentors and knowledgeable about how to help someone in their job search. 
But I think that also fits with our broader vision of skills development and helping people do things like get promoted or do well at their job from people who are actually in it, living it every day. And they're much closer to the, the rapid change that those roles in the industry sees. Let's talk about incentives. So how do you guys incentivize the corporate insiders to join your platform? What has that process looked like to date? Yeah, good question. So we, we have, a, I, I consider our incentive for anybody who joins the platform is a, really a package deal. Uh, so first and foremost, the people that we tend to target and that we attract are already interested in this kind of work. They're mentors, maybe they are coaches in some amateur capacity, maybe at their own organizations, they're part of ERGs and groups that coach others. And really, you can see all that information on LinkedIn and their involvement. So we'll go out and target those people. But we, there also is monetary gain that people can get from this. So we pay everybody right now the same flat rate. I'll be upfront. If you come and join the platform, you can get paid $45 an hour as a coach. The other upside is the potential to refer members to your own organization. So for example, we had a, a, an insider last year who made over $15,000, not just from what she was making hourly on our platform, but she ended up referring at least three people to her organization. And in addition to that, we pitch community. So we give free trainings and resources to coaches. There's really a sub-community there of insiders where if someone from Amazon is potentially wanting to go work at LinkedIn or, or Apple, they have their own community of being able to tap into each other to go and do that. You mentioned Apple, LinkedIn. Are you guys focusing specifically on tech to start or are you also focusing on financial services, professional services, consulting. How are you guys thinking about it from a vertical approach? Yep, definitely. So we, we started in tech. Part of that was my own experience in tech and having a network there, but also broadly looking across the spectrum, technology tends to create a lot of jobs that are also lucrative jobs. And we saw that as a really great way to help people who are tr trying to look for something that's maybe better than their existing career to pivot into something where there was a lot more opportunity. Uh, and if you look at what happened during the pandemic last year, a lot of industries were really depressed, but there were some bright spots within tech that continued to hire and continued to create that innovation that was really successful and was used widely even during the pandemic where there's remote work and work from home that became the norm. So we're settling into tech right now just to be hyper-focused in that vertical, but the goal would be to expand into other kinds of industries like consulting, like financial services, CPG space. There's a ton of hiring in any of those spaces, entry to mid-level, and uh, we definitely have our eye on those. I would love to hear how COVID impacted the business. I know that I've read a decent amount about how there's going to be basically a wave of people leaving their jobs once things are back to normal. People who have just been mulling, biding their time to make a career move, but didn't feel like during a pandemic was the right time. Just curious about some of the macro trends that you guys think are tailwinds for you at this point. Yeah, absolutely. The pandemic, I would say, while unfortunate for a lot of people, and keep in mind, we were in a private beta, but we still were able to collect a, a pretty good amount of users that were on the platform. We saw a lot of people who were laid off from the pandemic. We have a lot of people who are still working, but consider underemployed that were seeking better opportunities. And you'd think that most of the people we had were unemployed, and that's actually not true. It tended to be roughly about half and half in terms of what we were seeing. Uh, and then this year, what we're typically seeing is a lot more people who are employed, but have been on. So this isn't just a pandemic business, as you mentioned, ton of research out there today. I think the most recent article 
that I have read is up to 52% of workers are thinking of finding a new job this year. That is nuts. That is, that's a seismic shift in the labor market if even half of that is true. And so we get pretty excited about the prospect of the kind of company we are, especially why now question, if you will. There's a lot of pent up demand for seeking out these new opportunities where people have been sitting on the sidelines or just waiting to see what happens after the pandemic before making that move. I'd even argue it's happening right now. We're seeing that in the labor market. Uh, a lot of people are having those conversations. They're interviewing. They're seeing what else is out there. So we're, we think we're pretty well positioned over the next 12 to 24 months to capture a lot of that momentum in the labor market. I'm curious about this as a founder. What is it sort of like to try and retain that focus as you're already scaling a business, but there is such a massive opportunity and you see it every day in the news, you see it growing and you want to capitalize on that opportunity. You still need to stay lean. You need to stay focused. How have you dealt with that? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's, uh, well, well, one, if we, you know, we're resource constrained. So I think that's another one, right? We can't go and work in 10 different verticals as, as, at once. But for us, we really wanted to focus on the industry, which is is tech. You know, that could be big tech or tech startups and do really good job at that before branching out in other verticals. And early on as a founding team, I think we looked at failures of other companies that try to spread themselves too thin and end up with a mediocre product. And that's just not something we we want to do. And so within the tech vertical, there's still a lot to focus on in terms of getting enough coverage across roles within tech, right? So even though there's this huge opportunity with all these industries, there's still within tech opportunities in finance or design, engineering, sales, product, right? And so making sure we're really great at helping people get into those roles, making sure we have really great coaches, making sure we have the foundation and the infrastructure to train those coaches. We're still working on a lot of those things. So I just don't think it would make sense for us to go and say, hey, let's go and try to capture what we can in the short term without focusing on building those foundational pieces. So I think just philosophically, we we want to get really good at building a system so that we can actually capture some of that momentum later on. And that might mean some short, short-term losses in terms of members, users, market share. But uh, we think if we do it right, we'll be the, the dominant player in the space. You mentioned you were in a beta. Can you talk about the the status of the product today? And then, you know, is it live in the market? What kind of traction have you seen? Would love to hear about the status of Wiseful today. Yeah, absolutely. So we're in a, a private beta. The, the way that this started really is I had thrown up a Wix website in April, believe it or not, and said, you know what, I want to just see what kind of traction this gets, see what kind of interest. And of course, that was at the height of the pandemic. So we saw a lot of interest. And that gave us the confidence to go and build an MVP, which we did in August of last year. You've probably heard of a lot of these no-code platforms out there today. So we actually built our current MVP is on uh, Bubble, which is what we use. We're, we use that for a private beta. We're actually in the process of building B2 uh, with our, our co-founder and CTO. But uh, over the course of that private beta with our MVP, we had over 1,200 people that signed up for coaching. You know, we've had over now 450 coaching calls that have happened on the platform, and we've been collecting feedback on those those users. Really, the last eight eight months or so has been about collecting feedback, setting up our, our new mock-ups and UX, UI for what the V2 is going to look like, interviewing users, and really getting in depth in terms of what are their problems, and are we building, do we have the right model for that, right? Uh, and so we've spent a lot of time and research to come up with what V2 is going to look like. And that's what we're currently building right now. But I could share some of the uh, the data we found. We have an NPS score right now, 67. 
compared to our industry or, or relatable products, that's about an average of a 15, as low as a negative eight. So we feel pretty good that we're delivering the right kind of, of service, the right kind of product to people. We've also surveyed users to say, hey, one-on-one coaching and live workshops, is that something that you're really interested in? Or would you rather get this information packaged in an online course, like, like a Udemy or Coursera? Or would you rather have it in an ebook or a playbook? Unanimously, 100% said, no, this is an experience that I get from nowhere else. It's a personal connection with these industry insiders, and it's really helping me progress in my job search or my career. So that was another um, data point that we had uncovered during that testing. And also we've taken some notice or employers have taken notice as well. So we've had, this is somewhat recent, but this year we've had four employers, including uh, a prominent Chicago startup who is working with us to help hire from our talent pool. And that naturally made sense when we had a lot of underrepresented, most of our members that have signed up out of those 1200 are from underrepresented backgrounds. And uh, a lot of the employers that had taken notice of what we were doing were really interested in building diverse teams. And so we've been able to partner with several of those companies and we're continuing to work with them through this year. And so ideally, there's almost like a flywheel effect in that obviously you're trying to build out the enterprise insider part of this two-sided platform. But as the community builds and as the sort of talent pool builds, do you envision more and more enterprise insiders wanting to join up to tap into that sort of talent pool that you are building? I, I think so. It's it's hard to ignore the the revenue opportunities there. The what the way that we're uh, essentially developing talent is unique from what other companies are doing out there. And now that's that's a newer side of of the business that we've been tapping into. But if you're an enterprise company, your traditional resources that you go to are maybe LinkedIn, maybe it's a job board. You rely on a lot of these traditional resources that are pretty much hit or miss. And especially with events, I'd say, that have happened over the last year, and especially a lot of the focus that boards and executive teams are putting on diversity, we think we're uniquely positioned in the future to attract more of those partnerships to hire our talent. And speaking of revenue and the revenue opportunity, would love to hear a little bit about your revenue model, a little bit behind your unit economics. Yep, for sure. So the way that we currently have been operating is on a marketplace type model. So individuals can come and sign up for one-off calls with these insiders at top companies. What we're converting to actually in the next month or two is we're still going to have that option to purchase one-off, but we're going to give people this coach pass option where we'll have a couple subscription options where one is going to be priced at $99 a month, where you can get up to two calls, two coaching calls a month. You get access to a private community. Uh, you get access to live events and workshops with the insiders and a bunch of other content and tools that you can use in your job search. We'll have a, a premium tier at $179 a month, which will give someone up to four calls in addition to premium content just for premium subscribers with everything in the previous subscription. For those individuals not really looking to convert to a subscription, we'll still have at uh, $49 and $59 an option for people to just purchase one-off calls with those insiders. It almost feels like to me a, a way to, in some ways, extract some of the, f the value that was traditionally tied up in higher education, such as like getting an MBA, where a lot of people say you go get your MBA for the network. That's some people's opinions. I, you know, I've heard a variety yeah. of different sources. Maybe it depends on where you go. But I think that what's interesting about this to me is that you're giving the consumer the option to make the choice. $179 a month 
is an investment in yourself effectively through this platform. And it, sure, it is, it's a higher price. It's a high price point, but the ROI, I think, is something that is that sort of how you guys are, you know, at least uh, marketing this? Is it's truly an ROI that you're going to see results from in, in a month's time or in a few months' time, or maybe a year's time? I'm just curious about how you guys are marketing that component of this. Yeah, definitely. So I think we look at. That we really want to position that, and I like that you brought up the fact that this could be like a, a mobile MBA where you're getting knowledge and skills development and the network at a low cost and across industries and, and roles that you might want to work in and at a much better value. But from a job seeker perspective, I didn't say that. Reno said yeah, that. I didn't I, say that. I didn't say that. Well, it's a little student at Booth, so I don't want to. <laughs> Okay, can we can we cut that from the? Yeah. Thing? I'm just kidding. Um, so, well, well, the other, I think to that point, quick side plug. You know, if you go to a school like a booth or a lot of these excellent schools, they have really excellent career development. They have excellent networks, excellent programs in terms of how they educate their students. Uh, but this isn't. I, I don't really see this as being something that would target individuals who came from you know top ten. MBA program. This is for the 99% of people who maybe said, hey, I'd love to get the network that those MBA programs have and knowledge, right, at a, at a better value. So uh, forgive me. Uh, but yeah, I think we're the way we're looking at this subscription and the, the way we priced it out is that on average, the number of months it takes someone to find a job is five months, give or take. Now, we've had members who have gotten jobs on our platform in a month. After using it, we have some that are, are closer to that average. But the conversion to the subscription model is, is due given that, or it is because we see that variation in the job search. But the other reason is that we see this fitting into our larger vision of being this type of, call it a, a type of coach in your pocket or insider in your pocket for all of these milestones that you're going to have in your career. Finding a job is just the start of it. But when you get to a new company, you're going to want to maximize your impact in the first 90 days when you onboard. And then because you're a Gen Z or millennial, you're going to want to get promoted in a year or less. <laughs> and then after that, you're going to want to get promoted again. And because you're a millennial and Gen Z, you're going to leave that job in two to three years. And we want to be there to help you find that next opportunity. So it's really a reality of what is going on in terms of how many times people switch to jobs, but even at their companies, they're going to want to be promoted. They're going to want to excel in the workplace. So there's really this internal mobility use case that we see to help people advance their career, not just with finding a job, but through all of those milestones, like I mentioned. Yeah, I think that a conventional wisdom might say once they've gotten the job, the utility of the platform to a worker decreases and maybe they churn. But to your point, this is just a different workforce than historic workforces. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but everything I've seen indicates that they millennials, Gen Z, they switch jobs faster. They want to accelerate in their current positions faster. And so yeah. in that sense, especially I think, you know, once they've gotten that job, there is this ability to tap into still all the knowledge that they can sort of pay for to get access to. So I guess I, I see what you're saying on the side of, once you've sort of locked them into that five months in, they've gotten that first job using your platform, there's still so much benefit they can get from something like this and continue to pay for. Oh, 100%. I'll give you an example. So we had a user who started using us in November. They landed a job in December, right? So they had a pretty quick turnaround, but they continued to work with 
the insiders up until now, right? So they've been using this for almost eight months. And what's been pretty remarkable is not only did our insiders, so this individual has been working with maybe three to four different insiders. So I think that's also what's special is you're not locked into one person, but he has this community or three to four allies at different companies that are helping him get a job, but then with his current job. So he gets a job in a month. He's still working as a uh, sales development representative at his new tech startup. Three months in, he sends he sends us a note with a screenshot of the results he's been producing in his, his Salesforce dashboard. And he says, thank you so much. My boss just recently told me that I'm the number one rep. He's the best rep he's ever hired. And I'm currently the number one rep on the team. And so he sends us the results to back it up. And I just, I, he was blown away because there's this team of 20 people and he's all the way at the top of the stack in terms of what he's been producing. Uh, and he's continuing to work with these insiders. So, I mean, that's one example where I could see we can help you get a job, but we're also going to help you do really great at that job. And that's part of the use case in action beyond the utility of just finding a job that we see so much potential for. I think you guys need to hire him as a spokesperson. It sounds like he's the perfect he's the perfect use case for uh, for this. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to touch on in our remaining time the product roadmap um, that you have for Wiseful. You know where you see it, where you see it growing from here. Yeah, for sure. So we have some uh, exciting stuff that we're planning. One is creating specific curriculum around different functional roles that you're trying to break into. So that could be a specific track for people who say, you know what, I'm an aspiring or current product manager, but I'd like to get a better opportunity within product management or product manager role. So we'll have a specific track for that with specific coaches or insiders that uh, are trained in curriculum on training you to do that. We'll have one for sales and business development. We'll have one for engineering. So that's next in the pipe of what we're going to be building in the back half of this year. Um, also setting up the ability for the insiders and the members to be able to communicate better. So we're doing things like having goal setting tools, task management tools, text messaging, communication, uh, back and forth between the insider and the member. We're doing things like improving our algorithm to help match members up with the right kind of insiders. Cause we typically see that if you can get the match right at the beginning, they're going to, they're going to be a, a user for a much longer time assessments, packing in assessments into our platform. So one of the other interesting things that our data uncovered when we've been doing research is that we initially thought people would join the platform and say, you know what, I know exactly what I want to be. I know exactly what I want. And that was further, that couldn't be any further from the truth. In fact, we had a lot of people say, you know what, I, I am doing okay right now at my current job, but I want to see what else is out there. And I'm hoping that you can help me with that Wiseful or your insiders. So having assessments in there based off of values and skills to help match you up with maybe the right opportunities and just other things in there to help people make themselves more marketable employers. So we're doing things like trial projects that you can complete and demonstrate to a potential employer. So we're really trying to move away from just being a exclusively one-on-one -on -one coaching to a more inclusive platform of everything that you need to succeed in your job search and your career. So we'll be working on, those are just a few things over the next 12 months we'll be working on uh, and experimenting with on the platform. Curious just about customer acquisition. And I'm not sure if you touched on this, but you know, I know Masterclass is just crushing it with their sort of social, social campaigns. And I, I generally see a lot of personal improvement products out there using social as a vector to reach potential 
customers. How are you guys thinking about bringing more and you know raising awareness for Wiseful in the future? What sort of customer acquisition strategies do you think you guys are going to leverage? Yeah, good, good question. So there's a, a few things we're thinking about as a team. One is continuing to ramp up our social organic efforts. Over the last 12 months, we've seen pretty remarkable growth from our LinkedIn community. We went from 2,000 followers in April to now over 35,000 about a year later. And in the last year, we've had over 7 million views on our content. And that's really us providing free value to the community and saying, here's templates, here's tips and tricks on how to find a job, how to network, how to add value to your new employer that you just got a new job at. So we see our, our own personal efforts helping with that across not just on LinkedIn, but other platforms, but then leveraging the insiders too. So you've seen these network effects that other marketplaces have when the talent or, you know, it could be a cameo or it could be a masterclass where you have uh, a lot of these individuals promoting their services. We think there's an opportunity to do that with high profile insiders at some of these companies to help help us monetize and, and attract users to, to what we're doing. And I can attest to the listeners that Reno gets tons of likes on basically everything he posts on LinkedIn. I feel like every time I see a post by you, it's got like a hundred more likes than I ever average. <laughs> so uh, kudos to whatever you're doing, it's working. Yeah. That, well, I, I think it's really a, a study in terms of the way that people are learning and the topics that we talk about are very timely and uh, that the the kind of work and advice that we're giving to people, it, it matters and, and they need it. So if anything, I think it just shows, hey, that that the number of views and the growth trajectory that I've had in sharing content is just a case in point in terms of where people really struggle and need some help. And again, looking outwards to the next couple of months, curious about fundraising plans. Do you anticipating needing to raise outside capital in the future and just sort of your strategy surrounding that? Yes, definitely. So we're in the midst of raising a pre-seed round, uh, which we're early in, but we're looking to raise a total of 700K on that pre-seed round to help us with user acquisition, partnerships, making some key critical hires, continuing to build out V2 of the platform, and of course, some other admin and general related tasks and activities to help support our platform. And we believe that with that raise, you know, within 12 to 18 months, that'll get us to about a 40K MRR run rate and really set us up for that next milestone. Last question, I would love to hear about your experience as a founder based here in Chicago. Um, you know, I know you're involved with 1871, but I just kind of love to hear what it's been like to start a company here in Chicago. Yeah, it's really, it's, it, well, first I have to say 1871 has been such an awesome community. Our company, I don't know if you're familiar, maybe some of the people listening are familiar with the Pyros program at 1871, which was led by Rachel Fearborn at the time, but we went through that that program and that was really helpful to help give us the, essentially it was a guide to how to take your idea, to test your idea, to launch your idea. And through that, not just getting the right kind of education in terms of how to build a company. One of the coolest things I think about 1871 is the community aspect there. I, I would imagine so many people are going to say that, but it's really true. I, I talked to, for the last couple of years, founders that I've known there who are building their businesses and Unfortunately, we haven't been uh, able to be there in person, but we still connect over the Slack group. We help introductions to other, we help each other with introductions to maybe investors or advisors or people that can help our business. Uh, it could be new hires that a company's making, and we'll help each other out with that. So I, I just get a sense that here in the Midwest, it's more about community that people are more invested in helping each other than I've seen from other markets, and that's something that I, I value as uh, someone who 
is new to building companies and building a startup, having that kind of support there has been really helpful. And just the the willingness of outside of startup founders, if you think about some of the high profile characters in Chicago that have been successful at building companies and who are working maybe at big companies and executive positions, just the amount of time that they dedicate to helping other founders and recognizing that, you know what, we're all in this as a city together and, and I want to help you as much as you can. So it's pretty pretty remarkable that you can get time with CEOs and executives at some of these top companies in Chicago, which I, I didn't expect, honestly. But uh, I think that's probably a good answer in terms of what it's been like is at first there there was really not a lot of support or low expectations in terms of how I was going to go build this and who was going to talk to me to just really having so much support and people around us that that are helping us do that, which is incredible. Everybody I've talked to, including everybody I've had on the show, has basically been a part of 1871 from the founder. Okay, angle. Yeah. At this ang- at this point, I'm I'm considering writing an email over to 1871, just asking if I can get a little podcasting studio in the merch mart. Uh, I don't think that's that much to ask, but you know, just maybe set me up and and, you, and I'll just interview everybody. Basically, you know, they have a podcast studio there. All right. They, well, I mean, they, now I'm emailing they, them. Yeah, they could probably carve off some time, give you like an exclusive <laughs> slot for a hundred percent. I think they would love that in terms of having you interview a lot of the the founders there and uh, just, I'll just just do my just give me the room. I'll just do the Founder Friday live from the 1871 Merch Mart. This is perfect. Oh, I, lo- I love that. That's good. <laughs> All right. This is great. I'm going to CC you on the email and get things get things moving. We'll send some people your way for sure. Awesome. Reno, this has been amazing. If people want to learn more about Wiseful and follow you guys, uh, where can they go? Yep. So uh, feel free to check our site out, www.bewiseful.com. Uh, another great place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. As, as Matt said, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I, I post almost every day. A lot of users and members in our community are, interact with me there. So I'd love to to connect with you as well. And my email too, if anyone wants to reach out, is Reno, my first name, R-E-N-O, at bewiseful.com. You can also shoot me a note there as well. Awesome. Reno, thank you so much for joining Chicago Capital. Can't wait to see what's next for you guys. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having us on, Matt. If you are a founder seeking venture capital investment at the pre-seed through Series A stage, check out Manifold Group. We're a venture holding company based in Chicago with offices in Dallas, Los Angeles, and soon Atlantic Canada. We believe early stage private investments represent an excellent investment opportunity, but existing investment models in the space leave much to be desired. Manifold is a new model for growth in the new economy designed to create and capture value at the early stage through synergies across its venture fund, incubation and acceleration studio and advisory firm learn more about manifold at www.manifold.group and please tune in for the next chicago capital episode